to do what they told you. We don't know much about aliens, but we know about humans. If you look at history, contact between humans and less intelligent organisms have often been disastrous from their point of view, and encounters between civilizations with advanced versus primitive technologies have gone badly for the less advanced. A civilization reading one of our messages could be billions of years ahead of us. If so, they will be vastly more powerful and may not see us as any more valuable than we see bacteria. Stephen Hawking. Oh, shit. <laughs> Was going to do a text-to-voice thing, but it just it just became a problem. It <laughs> 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 just seemed somewhat cruel. <laughs> you know what's cruel is... Our like our level of technology got to the voice the point where like now text to voice is getting to be like a deep fake problem where he could have like sounded like Vin Diesel or or James Earl Jones or anything he wanted, but he just happened to live at the point where the text to voice is limited to this. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, the, the other day I heard some recordings that this guy made using AI. Um, it was stuff that. Uh, Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris had written like in their journals before going on their Columbine massacre. Um, Great. He transcribed that stuff in like had took samples of their voices and then had AI read it out as if it was them saying it. And when I would listen to it, I was like, I don't remember hearing these recordings. <laughs> it was terrifying because I knew whose voice yeah. was whose. And like, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this is AI. This is horrifying. <laughs> Wow. Oh, depressing. Yeah, so they could have made Stephen Hawking sound like Eric Harris. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> what a what a nightmare world we now are living in that we didn't live in before. <laughs> what an angry little genius. <laughs> The entire written works of Stephen Hawking as AI read by Donald Trump. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> You're fired out of a cannon into a black hole. Whoa. <laughs> Fuck. So it sounds like we're both very interested in, you know, discussing this movie this week. Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this movie is something else. It really is. Uh, we are, of course, finishing up our uh, April of the Body Snatchers or whatever else we've managed to call it over the time. This is part three. It's Abel Ferreira's Body Snatchers, 1993. Yes, it. Uh, it's a bit of a departure for Abel. Um, he's known more for kind of schlocky, uh, especially early on, schlocky kind of horror Slasher-type films, real gritty New York settings, uh, Driller Killer, Miss 45. Then he, he's known also for his kind of next period where he's doing stuff with Christopher Walken, like King of New York. Um, and then, of course, Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel, which is an absolute classic. Do the monster. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he went on to do weird shit like this and other weird shit. Um, yeah, and music videos. Yeah, it's he's a strange one, that dude. But he uh, he's made some good films. I don't know if I would necessarily include this, although having said that, it has its merits. Yeah, it does. I, I, I feel the same way. I have like, 
I've watched this four times now, and I will say a solid two of the times I did not like the movie, and another solid two of the times I did like the movie, down to the point where, like, things that I hated about the movie one time were things that I loved about the movie the next time. What a pile of shit. I don't understand my own feelings. <laughs> I, I I had seen it before, but it had been a long time, so I forgot a lot of it. And then I uh, watched it and was like, wow, this is terrible. And then I watched it with my daughter, and she was just, like, dying, like, just groaning with laughter through the whole movie. I mean, <laughs> she just thought it was, you know... So when I was watching it with her, it was like, wow, I think that might be one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Then I watched it again today, and I found a, a, a high-def version of it, like a 4K version that was, like, super, yeah. super crispy looking, and it, it looked... It looked really good and made it a lot more fun, except for that final shot. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Why did they insist on doing that in movies? It's such a great idea that was so badly executed. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait to even get to that point because what happens is so awesome. And the way it, <laughs> the way it happens is so shitty and cheap looking. <laughs> It's the only digital effect in the whole film. The rest is just really cool lighting and, and really some really awesome cinematography and some pretty, pretty quality uh, practical effects. Really good quality practical effects, like especially coming from uh, the, the 78 version where it was like we did tentacles by filming it in reverse. And then this movie where it's like. I don't think that was in reverse. I think that was, they did something else there. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> well, at least some of them were in reverse because the scene yeah. where she's in the tub, she's got little foamy, soapy trailers on her chest from where the tentacles had just been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, those tentacles followed those exact lines. <laughs> Chaos theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's some really uncomfortable moments in this movie, intentionally and unintentionally. Um, yeah. There's some great, great moments, some great performances. Meg Tilly is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, terrifying. And terrifying. And, uh, yeah. and then there's just other weirdness like Forrest Whitaker, who is just absolutely. I can't even say if he's misused or if he completely rose to the challenge. It's so. It's so Forrest Whitaker-y of him. It is. It is very Forrest Whitaker looking down and to the right of the camera and just having a, an extreme expression of discomfort on his face. Like he's about to, to either kill everyone or get a good medical fart out of him. You know, one <laughs> of the two. Also, I, I would like to point out that he's clearly the least qualified man to be leading men in the entire United States Armed Forces. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, okay, so this movie stars Gabriel Anwar, who plays perhaps a too young Marty Malone. Um, I assume that she's most famous for how she smelled in the 1992 film Scent of a Woman. Yes. And she's also quite popular for her role as Fiona in Burn Notice, which I know is popular, but I've never watched. She was in, uh, she was also in 90210 with, uh, What's Her Nuts that plays her friend Jen in this movie. They were both in 90210. Oh, for real? Uh, 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 Christine Elise? Yeah, Christine Elise. They both played, uh, 
Jason Priestley love interests. Oh, nice. Uh, Meg Tilly, as you mentioned, is in here. Uh, she is an Academy Award nominee for her role in Agnes of God. Mm-hmm. And is uh, not most famous for being Jennifer Tilly's sister. Yeah, right. Uh, she, uh, uh, Meg Tilly was in The Big Chill, of course, as well, and Psycho 2. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I love Meg Tilly. I, I mean, I love Jennifer Tilly, too, but Meg Tilly is is kind of like my favorite Tilly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you had to go with a Tilly, you might pick a Meg. <laughs> She That's was also right. in One Dark Night, and uh, her, along with uh, Christine Elise, are in uh, the new Chucky TV series. That's right, yeah. C- Christine Elise has done some, some Chucky business. Chucky um, business. There, there's a lot of people in this movie. The Terry Kinney, famous character actor, not Ugh. famous, but uh, yeah. recognizable. He has since gone on to no longer be very skinny and have long, stringy blonde hair. He's now bald, overweight, and old-looking, and generally plays people who are mentally challenged. Oh, is he Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> nice! <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, the, the, I, kn- I know that guy from Oz, and like the instant I saw his face, that's I was right. like, oh, fuck you, guy, get out yeah. of here. <laughs> yeah, he's done. he's done a lot. He's a character actor and a good one, so he's, you know... He's gotten a lot of work. He's got an he's got a uh, he's got an interesting look to him. So he you know he does well on screen. Um, yeah. I mean, this movie's full of of uh, interesting characters like Forrest Whitaker, of course, we mentioned, and then Arlie Ermey, the uh, the greatest character actor of all time, who plays Arlie Ermey in every film he's in, including Full Metal Jacket, Sezen, Sezavevan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 2003 version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, he's just great. I love him. He's always entertaining. Um, and then there's Billy Worth. Dear God, there's Billy Worth. Why is Billy Worth here? <laughs> Billy Worth, whose claim to fame would be what? I don't know. Lost Boys? I, yeah. You know, and then he's just terrible. I mean, he. well, I, that's the thing, though. He brings this weird... Twin Peaksy charm to this movie that is just so strange, and he just you can't you're not getting any emotion out of this guy. It's not happening, and it's I just love him because he absolutely refuses to show any. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's almost it's, it's like a joke in the movie, even. It really is, and it's 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 one of those parts where like sometimes I hate it and sometimes I love it because. P- part of this movie is that it's just so 1993. Oh my god! And, and a big part of that 1993ness is his big stupid face because he looks like a 1993 Hollywood pretty boy, and he is a 1993 Hollywood pretty boy. But he's kind of nailing it. But also, fuck him. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> he's very handsome. He's, you know. He really rides that line between being completely wooden, but also being effective at the same time. It's, it's, I don't know. It's weird um, that this movie was written, uh, or at least the screenplay involved a whole bunch of interesting people, including uh, the, the uh, infamous uh, Stuart Gordon, who was originally yes. slated to direct this movie. Yes. And uh, his, his favorite writer, Dennis Paoli, who uh, wrote one of my favorite movies of all time that we have to cover, Dagon. 
Oh, yes. Yes, let's do. I love Please. that movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Larry Cohen, who uh, was also involved. Uh, that's the guy that made God Told Me To, and he made It's Alive and Maniac Cop. Uh, oh, nice. Super heavyweight. Yeah. So yeah. then Nick St. John, who is the guy that basically writes all Abel, Abel Ferrara's movies, uh, uh, Miss 45, Driller Killer, The Addiction, King of New York, and then... Uh, the soundtrack was kind of handled by Joe Delia or Delia. That's the guy that does a bunch of Abel Ferrara stuff too. So he's he's definitely he's not using the same kind of people like actors that he tends to use, but he's he's definitely got his core people with him. Yeah, and I mean he like uh, Abel he he tends to have uh, uh, Meg Tilly in his movies, right? And That's true. also uh, this was not um, Forrest Whitaker's final. Uh, Abel Ferrara movie appearance. Oh, what's, so what he, else was he in? I don't remember, and There's I another... can't use IMDb or the, our com- oh, my yeah. computer will crash. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, you know this is one of those movies that it, it when the studio decided they were going to release it, they this was a major studio originally. I mean, a major studio, and they were originally going to release this as their one horror film for the year. And then they decided that there were too many serious horror films. That was the year uh, Hellraiser 3 came out, which is so serious. So uh, serious. (laughs) uh, Coppola's Dracula, um, you know, some some other stuff like that. And so they put out Innocent Blood. (laughs) Yeah, that was a winner. And then this one was kind of just like a, you know, almost like a direct-to-video release. It had a theatrical release, but they put no weight behind it. And yeah, I think I think it was like less than 20 theaters or something like that. And yeah, they, I don't know why uh, the studios decide, yeah, fuck this movie <laughs> that we made. Oh, well, <laughs> it's not. And it's really not a bad movie, even as a, even if you think of it as like a studio product. I mean, it's I guess it's pretty weird. I mean, some of the camera angles are pretty strange, but it's not it's not that far outside of the realm of what they do. Um so it's kind of a shame that they buried it, but this is uh this is Roger Ebert's favorite of the uh, remakes. <laughs> That's true. He thought it was so cool, especially that last scene. <laughs> he's like, whoa. He's like, this is what horror movies should have. Moments of actual terror. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? Yeah, you you are fucking terrifying if you believe that. <laughs> what a what a strange mushy man. <laughs> I mean, God, that guy's probably seen hundreds of thousands of films, and, and he was surprised by that scene? <laughs> he does not like horror movies, though. That's true. Oh my God, what a, what a dad. What a, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So, yeah. All right, you want to get into it? Let's get into it. All right. The movie opens on spacey opening credits, which devolve into a where to begin opening monologue from our star, the young Marty. Um, her dad, Steve, stepmom, Carol, and half-brother, Andy, are traveling to a military j- base for Steve's EPA job. Uh, during a pit stop, Marty is accosted in the bathroom by a soldier that tells her, they get you when you sleep, and then he lets her go. Marty says, I remember thinking, we live half our lives asleep. And I remember thinking... Children are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
and we don't live half our lives asleep. <laughs> no, we don't live half our lives asleep. What's wrong with you, you stupid, small, way too young child? <laughs> twelve on, twelve off. <laughs> I mean, it sounds delightful. It really does. I go for that. <laughs> Uh, they arrive at the base and Marty goes on a Walkman, Walkman fueled stroll. Man, mm-hmm. I wrote that down, not realizing how hard that is to say. Waffen fuel toll. Yeah, loathsome things. By mm. the way, that's the name of our show. <laughs> yeah, welcome. I'm John, yeah. and this is Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Professional. Oh, pay us to do advertising. <laughs> At HelloFresh. <laughs> oh, something you could get your all of your mattresses in the mail. All right. Um, so she's she's going on a stroll near a fence. She's listening to shitty music on her Walkman when all of a sudden she's confronted by soldiers who are protecting that fence yeah, from after- both sides. <laughs> After she steps on a full upper set of fake teeth, <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. I, 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 there, there's a lot, and it doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, it's. I guess the idea is just that something is not right. But I mean, you could have ascertained that by the fact that all the grass in the entire movie is dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They've been using the fertilizer elsewhere. I mean, it's it's insane. Like, what did they, did they just like poison the entire place before they made this movie? Because it's all the vegetation is dead. Yeah, and we had just seen her. She she found a crispy dead lizard on the windowsill of their new military house, and she like holds it up to the window, and the window the camera just kind of looks at it for a while while like drama music is playing, and I'm like, what's going on? This is stupid. <laughs> Anyway, so the soldiers confront her, and they're like, hey, you can't be at this exact part of fence, it's restricted. Just then, rebellious youth Jen rolls up in a 1988 Ford Mustang convertible. She's blasting hard rock music. She she does the thing where she gets up, and then she says, get in the car, babe. And uh, the underaged Marty instantly obliges. You see her, she's wearing the the studded black leather uh, uh, paraphernalia of rebellious youth. She's got bleach blonde hair that's kind of spiky and short, not very ladylike at all. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve, we see Steve chats with General Platt, the aforementioned Arlie Army. Uh, our General Platt at no point loses his temper in this entire movie, he does not yell at anyone. He does not call anyone a scumbag or any sort of horrible epithet. He just is calm, collected, and in charge. Yeah, it's an odd bit of casting, but he's he's great. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's kind of genius because the instant you see those eyebrows, you're like, oh shit, this guy's gonna lose it. And the fact that he never lose it is, loses it is, like, in itself kind of creepy. Like, yeah. I think that's what he was going for yeah but it could just be you know whatever <laughs> um steve chats with jennifer platt he's there to make sure that their warfare chemicals are properly stored and disposed of then later dr collins expresses his concerns to steve about the symptoms people around the base are exhibiting including paranoia is about sleep 
family members, and identity. Steve, on this matter, is 100% unhelpful and unsympathetic. Yep. Uh, at daycare, all the other children create identical finger paintings while the teacher disapproves of Andy's painting for being not identical to the rest of theirs. This causes him great facial consternation. <laughs> a little dick. <laughs> He's such a little tiny overactor. <laughs> That was a great scene. On. And then Yeah, it was. And then he caps it by just look by overacting so badly that it just becomes incredibly comical. Oh yeah, like all the kids are holding up their finger paintings and he's just like looking around like what? What? And then she like looks at him all disapproving and he like turns to the side, looks down at his painting and is just like, "Oh man. Wow. I don't get it." Um, so then he leaves, he goes for a walk and gets abducted by a soldier. Yeah, that's right. He gets picked up by a Jeep, um, well, or a dude in a Jeep and they, Hey, little fella, where are you going? Let me put my cap on your head because that means I'm wholesome. And, uh, (laughs) they, they go to take him home. It's, oh, it's great. It's a wonderful thing. Um, we, we see basically the street where the Malone's house is and we see people, uh, somebody throwing a little garbage bag tied up into the back of a, a dump, like a garbage truck, which is kind of a nice nod to the yeah. to the other movies. Um, <clears throat> and uh, then the, you see the Jeep come around the corner and uh, the handoff takes place, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, uh, Andy is like bitching about daycare and how they're trying to get him to sleep. And then uh, Marty, you know, she's the one who opens the door. So... Of course, she immediately gets flirty. That's uh, T.I., just like Marty, uh, with Tim. Uh, and uh, it's fucking, it's just gross. Because she looks like she's 12. Yeah. And he looks like he could be older than her father. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is a, ch- like, imagine, imagine a guy whose jawline is so chiseled that he it just looks like he has extra abs around his mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's just, both of them are just kind of, and uh, Andy's, you know, being a little putz. And then um, Jen arrives and she wants to hang with Marty. Uh, She's wearing a lovely Bad Seeds shirt with Nick Nick Cave Cave on it. Uh, Yeah. Nice little touch because there's no way she listens to them. And uh, (laughs) they go off to a bar, uh, of course, right away to have some underage boozing. And they, they get in and you start getting that weird, like, people in the background leering that just like deadpan face. And they pass this, this drunk, drunk guy who's like, Hey, what's going on? And they just completely <laughs> blow him off. And he's like in the background, just like, hey, it's good. <laughs> that guy was amazing. Yeah. No small parts. No. Wonderful dude. <laughs> Uh, they they start hanging out like uh, Tim and his buddy Petey are there. I, I hate that actor. And oh yeah, of course uh, uh, Jen sits in Petey's lap right away, and then the flirting like gets you know gets ramped up. Uh, Tim wants to buy Marty a drink. I refer to this as the pre fuck. Um, oh. And then the pod creeps come in and take the drunk guy away. And uh, there's a little bit of a confrontation between the toilet soldier from earlier in the movie that uh, that confronts Marty with his giant buck knife and then vanishes. 
Uh, he's yes. he's now all potified, and uh, you know she's like you know from the toilet, you know, and he's just like that has no idea what she's talking about. And then he says, "I think your lady's had a little too much to drink," which I believe would have been like two sips of beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they leave. Great. Uh, so then she goes on a fog walk with Tim, and oh. they immediately she decides that they need to play just an absolutely excruciating game of I never. Um, oh man! Where you Ooh. hold up your hands, all ten fingers, and then you just you just say to the other person, "I've never." shit my pants and then if you have shit your pants you have to put your finger down yeah. so that, that that it's so awkward she says i've never eaten brussels sprouts and then <laughs> then they get they get a little touchy i've never shot someone he puts his finger down and it's all he never she never flinches his face barely twitches at all yeah and, she, and then she's just like she's just she looks so crestfallen and he's like kuwait so he is he is a cold-blooded emotionless killer and she's 12. <laughs> Not a problem. Oh, this is good. I never hide my feelings and then they make out and oh, uh, the camera pans away, which I have to say mercifully, pans away to a pod swamp which is right around the corner from where they are, but I guess they don't see it. So uh, anyways, at back at home, uh Things move pretty quickly in this film, which I appreciate. Um, yes. Uh, Andy goes to say something to his mom. I don't know. She's in bed, sleeping, whatever. She's a little twitchy. He comes around the front, and she basically deflates, which is awesome. Yeah. It, like, crumbles and deflates, and it's all creepy. And then the closet door opens, and we get full frontal Meg Tilly. Um, thank you, Abel Ferrara. And then yes. Andy completely flips his shit, because uh, Mommy uh, is now, Carol is now potty. So yeah. uh, Marty arrives home. Uh, Dad uh, uh, yells at Tim for bringing her home, uh, no, for having her uh, underage drinking or whatever. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's stupid. And, uh, yeah, he's like, do you know that she's a small child? Yeah. And he's like, no, I didn't realize that, sir. Yeah. Were, were the diapers not a sign? <laughs> so apparently Andy's a genius because he's already figured everything out. But mm -hmm. naturally, nobody believes anything. And then, you know, she gets into a big fight with her dad. Um, in the meantime, you know, in the it's at morning and uh, Pod Meg takes the trash out, the little trash bag. And of course, we realize that that's where they take their human remains uh, no. to throw away. Uh, it's breakfast time now. Marty's still pissed at her dad. Uh, there's a carton of Flavo rich milk on the table. Uh, she gets in an argument with her dad and does that. Fine, fuck you, then. And then she bolts out, and uh, we cut to a chemical warehouse where all the barrels have pirate symbols spray painted on them. And <laughs> radium. Some some guy is bringing down two barrels that are hanging, teetering on the edge of a pallet with a forklift, and of course he starts jostling the forklift so they fall off. Crazy chemicals go everywhere. Some guy gets burned through his hazmat suit. Uh, Steve sees that he has what looks like weird alien flesh and is like, what the hell is going on? And the guys are like, we got it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that's weird. Um, that forklift scene gave me so much anxiety. One, because it's just stupid. And yeah. like two, flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. 
Uh, so Steve finds, uh, he, he takes like a sample off of the suit and basically discovers that there's some sort of alien thing, like alien and as in he doesn't know the source of it. And he really wants to yeah. study it further and all that fun stuff. Back at home, uh, it's it's at night, you know, uh, Podmeg has filled the bath and sends Marty off to the bath and basically orders Andy to sleep, which is kind of creepy. Go to bed. And then, <laughs> and then when he lays down, she goes... Nine night. <laughs> Super creepy. Um, Marty then goes to take a bubble bath with her headphones in. She falls asleep while a pod is above her in the ceiling, like office building style ceiling tiles that only exist in the bathroom. Yeah, they look like pegboard. Yeah, yeah, and they all it's full of holes, so it's definitely not for a creepy reason that this ceiling above the bathtub only and nowhere else in the entire house is that way. Great. <laughs> so the pot is up there, and it starts shooting out like spaghetti noodles down. They get into the tub, they start crawling up her body all over her face. We assume maybe elsewhere but that's never confirmed meanwhile we see pod carol is ma massaging steve to sleep uh and then watches as the low mane slowly infest his body <laughs> as uh, as pod marty is growing in the ceiling marty wakes up yoinks the whole grain vermicelli out of her face just as the quickly aging dead pod body crashes through the ceiling and into the bath on top of her it was actually a really good creepy scene because like you could just watch the body like decaying and like little moments of eye contact as she's like freaking out and getting out of there really good uh she runs out of the bathroom pulls all the linguine off of steve as steve pod grabs her ankle from under the bed she pulls her leg back and this just causes his body to slide out and he's like melty like suction di dissolving and gurgling to death and for some reason also like <sighs> goes back under the bed it's really good and creepy very good practical effects sometimes a bit cheesy because you can you can see exactly what they've done yeah yeah but it works and but it's it, good that's the thing is it works yeah exactly yeah yeah it's it's really good um let's see uh Steve is like, all right, let's pack up the family and get the entire fuck out of here. Very reasonable. Thank you to someone that's like, no, 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 we don't need to stick around and investigate. We're leaving. We are getting out of here. Too bad that Pod Carol is there and she does a whole speech at Steve. With It's apparently a famous speech because it reflects another speech. I don't give a fuck. Um, but it, it's one of those, there's no one like you left, Steve, speeches. Uh, and then he runs away with the kids without her. She comes outside as he's uh, trying to get away and does a really good screech. And then that screech gets the entire neighborhood of pod people activated and they all chase after them in a chase scene that is way better than any chase scene in any of the other two movies. These look like people that are running away from a mob of horrible people, actually. And then they ruin it. <laughs> My because... favorite part of that, by the way, is the one lady who's like running a different direction from everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Was like, hey, hey, no, no, that way. <laughs> she got one of the defective pods. 
Oh my god. <sighs> um so yeah, as they're running away, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a group of people that I call the B-Team show up. It's some some losers in black knight clothes, one with a pistol, one with a shotgun. They're like, through here, we'll protect you. And then we see them, like, they, they shoot a few bullets and are never heard from again. Yeah. Um, very strange. Uh, Marty and Andy hide in a warehouse while Steve goes for help. It's a 90s sci-fi movie, thus there must be a warehouse. It's not surprisingly full of tubes. Um, yes. Uh, he, he finds Dr. Collins, who is freaking out. He gives Steve a gun and car keys. Uh, and then Steve quickly hides as General Platt and a bunch of his goons confront Collins. General Platt explains that they've traveled light years to get here and they always grow stronger because of racial unity. Yeah, Ooh. that was brutal. Wow. Okay, yeah. dude. Jesus. All right. Uh, and then Collins kills himself. And we see Steve in the corner like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, cut away. All of a sudden, uh, Tim shows up. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, no. The, so so Steve gets away. He picks up Marty and Andy in the car. They're driving away. He tells them, just act emotionless. You can fool them if you just act like you're one of them. Uh, but this isn't fooling Marty as she, she begins to suspect that this is no longer her dad, Steve. This is her not dad, Pod Steve. Uh, at this point, Tim shows up. It's just in time. He is like pointing a gun at Steve and she's like, shoot him, shoot him. And he's like, dude, it's just me. I know what I'm doing. We have to be calm. Don't be loud. We're just being calm and we're getting to the goal. And uh, he's not shooting him. And so then Marty grabs the gun too. And Tim and Marty co-shoot pod Steve in the chest. And it's really, really good because it's like, I, I think that was just Steve. But yeah. then at the last second that he goes... <laughs> It's, oh, okay, yeah, it was Pod Steve after all. Good. He's completely rubbery and like pussy and disgusting. It was great. It's really good. I love that. I love the that the effect here is like they get these these rubber suits and they attach a vacuum to it, and when it's time, they suck all the air out of it, and it goes like, and it's just like this weird like fist face shape thing. Oh, it's so good. Um, uh, here we we get. Tim's plan is to steal a helicopter and then uh, he he parks he parks by the the hangar and he's like it's like 50 feet away and he's like all right I'm going to go steal a helicopter take off in the helicopter fly over here land right next to the car and then y'all get in the helicopter with me stay here that that's the plan that part that part is so strange, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's just like, what? What the fuck? Okay. This whole section here is so so goofy. So it was like this weird optical illusion for me. Like, I, th I thought the helicopter was inside a hangar the first time. Yeah. And and so I'm like, what is he going to fly it out of the hangar? Like, what? I don't understand. So he goes to the helicopter to, like, get in. And then the door to the hangar opens. That's and right. Pete and his goons come out. His pod pals, and uh, that's where my my daughter and I started giving them like Top Gun style names. So I was like, Pete. "Oh yes, Pete was like Tube Sock." He's like, "Where are you going, Timbo?" <laughs> He's like, "Tube Sock, what's up?" I'm very emotionless right now. <laughs> so they have this stupid confrontation, and um, 
I mean, it's 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 kind of a stupid thing to try to get Tim to show emotion because he never shows emotion anyway. So yeah. what difference does it make? And then he's he's like, oh yeah, I just need to get this chopper. You're wasting my time. And then Pete's like, okay, that's cool. Hey, <laughs> by the way, Timbo, I fucked your girlfriend. It's such a stupid one. <laughs> Tim's just looking at him like, you're going to have to do better than that, my friend. He's just like, just looks at him. And then the guy goes, all right, let him take the bird. I like that Pete, that means that Pete was like such not a good friend with Tim before that he just didn't know what button to press either. He, he, he wasn't like, oh, by the way, you're a real piece of shit for murdering innocent bystanders in Kuwait. Instead. He's like, uh, your mom's fat. <laughs> I know. Something that he, he one one thousand percent wouldn't believe. Like, yeah, I killed your grandparents. Like, it's what the fuck are you talking about? It's just yeah. And then they then they turn. This is my favorite. One of my favorite parts of the movie. They turn around and walk back into the hangar and close the door. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Just hanging out. I mean, it is a hanger. So oh, I guess, there it is. Yeah, and there we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't understand that. So he he takes off. Um, it, as soon as he takes off, the potties come out and grab Marty and the little fuck stump. And, <laughs> and like, Tim just starts following them with a searchlight. They, like, load him into, like, the, 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 you know, the Red Cross Jeep, you know, and they take him up down to this hospital or whatever. And he just follows them the whole way with his searchlights on. And there's there's all kinds of pod action going on. They're just pod folk everywhere. Um, and then the next thing you know, Tim just walks into the hospital. It's like, wait, what, what the hell just happened? What, where did it, where's the helicopter? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like the next morning because it's very bright. They oh, wanted yeah. to make sure that this scene was very yeah. well lit for some reasons. So he walks, he just strolls into the hospital. Of course, he's emotionless, so nobody knows he's not a potty. Um, he's looking for Marty. He finds a lot of naked ladies and pottery going on, uh, some shrinky deflators. And, and then he finally finds Spaghetti Marty. And uh, then there's this, uh, a well, well-placed deus ex machina screaming man diversion who yeah. runs in screaming and gets everyone's attention while uh, Tim noodles uh marty um but not before the uh the fake marty sits up in the bed next to him all naked and is like hey what's up tim <laughs> <laughs> look at my tits and how weird my upper lip is <laughs> look at my 13 year old body you know Jesus. you want it it's like okay this movie okay this, yeah you know Okay, so he denoodles her, and that that kills that the fake Marty, but not until she does a contortion session on the bed. Yeah. Contort yourself, and yeah, uh, yeah, she like gets her tit underneath her arm and like squeezes it down. I love this scene because there's like she turns around, and obviously the actor didn't want to show butt. Yeah, and so they gave the bed sheets a stiffy that covers <laughs> up her ass crack when she turns around. It's like nicely placed. Yes. Oh, I gotta love actors. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty great. Um, a uh, outside, uh, Arlie Ermy is routing the pod trucks to various military bases around the country. Uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and then um, 
they start acting all potty so that they can get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. And, uh. Uh, <laughs> and then Jen comes up and there's that kind of that awkward moment where they're not sure, you know, is Jen a potty? Is Jen not a potty and thinks they're potties? And, you know, it's kind of awkward. And then uh, Marty falls for the old fake Jen trick. And uh, as they're walking away, Jen says, I saw your brother or whatever the fuck she says. I know where your brother is. And she turns around like, really? And then we get the <laughs> Jen is, of course, yes. a pod thing. Kind of kind of awesome. Um, yeah, I see Andy. He's looking for you. That's right. Where? Yeah. <laughs> and then they run and uh, they, they hop into the chopper. It looks like they're going to get away. And then Andy just bolts out of just like out of nowhere the kid is like a fucking track star <laughs> there's a scene there's another scene in the movie where he's wearing his fucking footy pjs and he's running so fast and the little toes on the pjs are flopping with each step i'm like man that kid can't act but he can fucking run <laughs> yeah yeah someone get that kid out of hollywood and onto track <laughs> <laughs> even with that huge head that he's hauling around it's so he gets on the helicopter. It's 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 insane. They 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 fly up out of there. It's uh, yeah. It's yeah. That's something. Anyways, so they chop her up. They're in the chopper. Uh, of course, Andy starts flipping the fuck out and attacks. And he's now fighting with Tim because he's of course potted out. Wow, yeah. what, what a shock! And then Marty pulls him off, and they're struggling. And Tim is like, "Throw him out! It's not your brother. <laughs> Throw him out!" And then what follows is a one-two punch of one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life, immediately followed by one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> she throws her fucking brother out of a helicopter. <laughs> I, I mean, I know it's the pod version, but it is awesome. It's she, fucking awesome. She just chunks the kid out of there. She just throws her brother out of a helicopter. <laughs> but then you get the, the like, Hitchcock style slow mo falling backwards, oh, alien pointing <laughs> finger thing that looks like they have him in a sling, and they're just swinging him around with like a painting of a background behind him. Or so I mean, it's so bad. Yeah, it's like a computerized double take or something, and it looks like total garbage. Yeah, like like old foot old movies where a guy with a stick fights a claymation dinosaur that bad but for some reason digital and it it even looks less good <laughs> it's so terrible i mean if the whole movie had been those effects and they would have been equally terrible but you would have just accepted it because it was a terrible 90s thing maybe it would have added a little bit of charm but th this is the part that roger ebert caught a boner for and the, and it just oh, it's such an ineffective moment i mean First of all, him fighting is stupid, and you can see it coming a million miles away. Um, and then when she throws her brother out of the helicopter, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so fucking merciless. I, I love when movies are just so shamelessly cruel to children. And, <laughs> and then you just shows him falling. It completely takes all the fire out of that scene. It's so stupid. So anyways, yeah. uh, whatever. So um, now it's like, Oh, oh! And then we see the we see Mustache Arlie Ermy and his his right hand potty watching them fly off, and the guy says something, and Mustache says, "No one will believe them." Like, let him go. Yeah. No one will believe them. Uh, we cut to sunrise, and uh, Marty gives 
her closing fucking monologue. Ugh. Our reaction was only human. Revenge, hate, remorse, despair, pity, but most of all, fear. I remember feeling all of those things as I watched the bombs explode. How, <laughs> how I hated them. And then in the meantime, Tom, Tim, Tom, Tad, Tutu, yeah. unloads <laughs> the largest payload of, of munitions that any vehicle has ever carried in the history of humanity. He just like bombs the paste out of what I have to imagine is the entire state. I mean, he, just, <laughs> he blows everything to hell with that helicopter. It is amazing. It's fucking cool. Like, I don't know if at that point they had alerted the rest of the military and they have a whole force going, or if it's just him in a helicopter exploding the world. <laughs> he perfectly annihilates everything. He's like sending missiles in the side of troop transport trucks or pod trucks or whatever, up, you know, up people's asses, down chimneys, through windows, in the garage door, you know, up the exhaust pipe. I mean, it's like... Every bomb is perfectly placed and is extremely explosive. Um, and then we see a quick shot of uh, Meg Tilly in pod fetal position. And then what what looked like the Marty pod? Like in yeah. the swamp or something? That made no sense. I, I don't understand. I wondered yeah. if that was like a, a storyline that they, they, they nixed, but they just kept that shot in. Like movies yeah. love to do that and fuck you up. Um, so anyways, he, he bombs the living daylights out of the pod operations. Um, and after he's done, they arrive in Atlanta at the airport, the mil well, it's an airport with like military business going on. And, uh, you hear her again as this guy's like bringing them in with the cones and the stupid aviator glasses. And she, you hear her say, they get you when you sleep, but you can only stay asleep for so long. <laughs> The end. It actually says the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but not before you get... Where you gonna go? Where you gonna run? Where you gonna hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. The end. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> why did they slow it down? <laughs> I don't know. They thought it was cool. Uh, she's so great when she says that, though. I love, what, like, the. it's not part of the famous section. That's the whole famous thing that she says, which she apparently made up. Um, there, there's a bit where she's, like, walking towards him. And she's making this, she's making, like, the A-OK sign with her hand the whole time, which makes no sense. And she's doing, like, this weird, like, thing with her hands where she's got, like, palms out, you know, like, fingers up like the buddha yeah it's so weird and then she says steve steve let me tell you something <laughs> i love what she says <laughs> something it's so good <laughs> oh my god uh, <sighs> so, <laughs> and i think the idea is that that uh that air traffic control guy like we're supposed to experience menace emanating from him like he might be one of them but it doesn't do a good job of that. He just looks like another Top Gun guy that would be called, like, Wedgie Cake or something. <laughs> Wedgie Cake! Nice! <laughs> <sighs> oh, fuck. Yeah, this movie is... It's it's a real trip. I, I still don't know if I like it or not. There are parts of it I definitely like. Parts of it I think I don't like? I don't know. I don't know. 
This it, is a it's this real is, something. This is the kind of movie that you have to know the person you're recommending it to. Like, mm-hmm. this is not the kind of movie you you can just confidently say to somebody, like say the original. Oh, this is a classic. You need to watch this. I mean, this is hands. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's maybe it's a little bit dated or whatever. But you know, if you if you like horror films, you really need to see this movie. With this movie, it's like I don't know. I'll be like, what kind of movies do you like? Uh, <laughs> I don't like. Do you like nineties movies? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's gotta be like what what other movies. What other movies would someone have to say that they like in order for you to recommend this? Like, I kept thinking this is, it's like the Twin Peaks of I Know What You Did Last Summer or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the Forrest Gump of, of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> like, hey, what about this Body Snatchers movie? Is that any good? Because I'm, you know, I'm new to horror films. I don't know. Did you like 9021? is jaws 3 your favorite jaws movie how do you feel about freddie prince jr (laughs) yeah yeah that's about it that's about right uh fuck i don't know yeah i all right so um I gave this movie an even three out of five loathsome things because I have no fucking idea. I don't know. It's definitely not better than the other two. Um, no. There are some elements of it that are better than the other two. Like the the practical effects are real good. Not necessarily better, but just like they've advanced, you know, 15 years since 1978. So yeah, good job on that. But uh, I hate I hate the military setting. Like, as soon as I saw that it was a military thing, I was like, oh, fuck this movie. Like, all all possibility that this was going to be a really good hidden gem, like, went out the window and stayed there. Yeah, it's like a, it's, you put it in this closed setting, and then it becomes this obvious commentary about authority and stuff, which it's like, you don't need that. It's... Yeah, it's just I don't know. I I wasn't a big fan of the military setting either. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else you were gonna say about your rating or? Uh, I mean, to encapsulate it, Arlie Ermy's performance is a great encapsulation of how to feel about this movie. It's Arlie Ermy. He's a military commanding officer. And he never once cause, calls someone a shitty little piggy or 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 loses his temper or or anything. He's just quiet, cool, calm, collected general man. And it's like either that's brilliant or it's a complete shit show. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I think I think Arlie Ermy should have played the uh the commander role in Dreamcatcher and they, oh yeah they should have given that movie to a director that knew how to like just trim a lot of the fat because that movie had the potential to be great and yeah. that's part of the reason why that movie sucks so much is because it could have been so good and they really just dropped the ball on it you know and they 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 magnified all the real problems like duddits and stuff but Anyways, oh. yeah, I just kept thinking about that character when I saw his eyebrows and then his mu- yes. his mustache, and I kept expecting them to grow together and then start to like dreadlock together in the middle and just take <laughs> over his face. 
It was really distracting. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's probably why in um, in uh, Dreamcatcher they were like, "All right, um, Morgan Freeman, can you can you do like an Arlie Ermy thing with your eyebrows? Can you just grow them out double? We don't want you to do any sort of Eugene Levy nonsense with them. We just want them there. They need to be a wizard like ledge jutting out of your face." <laughs> That's right. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Um, well, having said having said that, um, I, dude, I gave this movie a three. Nice. <laughs> I, 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 it just seemed like a perfect three to me. A nice clean yeah. three. A nice clean number. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I can't in good conscience uh, recommend it to you unless I know what kind of movies you're into. It's. If you're a fan of Abel Ferrara, you need to watch it. If you're a fan of the series, you maybe need to watch it. If, maybe. If you love 90s horror, I hate you, but you'll like this. Um, it's tough, you know, because, I don't know. I I liked it, but I can't really recommend it to anybody. It's, like I said, I would have to know your tastes really well. And then if, if I knew that you, you know, you liked certain things then I would probably say, okay, you got to watch this movie because it's just ridiculous. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's fun. Uh, because it really does have its redeeming qualities. It, Yeah. I don't know, but but when it's bad, wow. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it really it really goes for it. Uh, and it's it's also problematic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. The underage girl scene. I mean, she's, I think she's supposed to be 17 in this. I don't know. She's in high school. Yeah. So, like, they leave the door open that maybe it's okay. I mean, you know, I am glad to say that she was 23 when they made it. So it makes me feel a yeah. little better. But not her character. Um, no, no. It's that kind of real, stuff. Real troublesome. And that's some of the weirdness that you get with Abel Ferrara. I mean, he... His movies have always... You always have to kind of meet him somewhere if you want to appreciate his films. I mean... Bad Lieutenant is one of the most immoral films you'll ever see. It's extremely troubling. Um, but it's also incredibly entertaining because it's just so over the top. King of New York is the same way. I mean, there's some scenes in that movie where there's a great death scene in that movie that just, I could watch that all day. Um, Driller Killer is amazing. Miss 45, yeah. oh my God, I love Miss 45. I mean, you know... Just just that lady that was his girlfriend that plays the killer in Miss 45, that she's also in Bad Lieutenant Zoe something or other. She's fantastic. She's like the quintessential New York junkie, which apparently she oh, actually was. And she's nice. just great in his movies. But there's always something that's just not quite right. Like something is just missing in his movies for me. You know, there's it's even the ones that I absolutely hold dear. There's like something like, I think he just stumbled across this out of just sheer style and will. And yeah, this movie is so far out of his comfort zone that I think he, he the mistakes he makes really, really are glaring in this film because he's, he's getting closer to mainstream business here and it's, it's not, it's not his world. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It feels like it's butting up. Like it's trying to butt up against Steven Spielberg style movies. Like it feels like they were like, what if we, what if it was like a dark, E.T. or, you know, something like that. And it just didn't stick the landing. Even the soundtrack, like the, the opening uh, orchestral soundtrack, it's yeah. very Spielberg-y. That 
that scene with him falling out of the helicopter made me think of like poltergeist and stuff like that. It's just like, oof, ooh, like just a, a store brand Steven Spielberg version, like darkness. I don't know. That's yeah. word salad. Even in 93, that's that shot of the kid falling out of the helicopter was a bad shot. I mean, yeah, now it's inexcusable. Um, you know, when Hitchcock did it, it was jarring. And, and honestly, it's still jarring when the person falls oh, from yeah. the tower and, you know, what's her name falls from the tower and it's like kind of spiraling down in slow-mo and it's completely unrealistic and it's meant to be. And it's really disturbing because it just has its own, it like happens in its own reality. This, it's like an insult. I mean, it's just, it's like that little fucking kid who you don't like and he's just, it's not even, it, I don't know. It just sucks. That shot sucks and I hate him for yeah, it. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> so that's a six out of ten loathsome things. It's, uh, it's, you could watch it, but you don't have to watch it. Uh, honestly, it probably deserves a lower rating, but like, it, it's a better highlight reel than it is a movie. Like, if, if you could watch the practical effects highlights of this movie, I would recommend that over actually watching the film. If you get us... And if you've listened to us this far, God, you better fucking get us. Um, if you get us in our stupid, obviously juvenile and oddly specific sense of humor, then you you probably know what we like in movies, and you would probably like this movie as well. But, um, you know, if this is like the first episode you've ever heard, or you're kind of like, these guys are kind of knobs, but maybe they maybe they know how to recommend movies, uh, don't, don't watch it. This is, don't yeah. watch this, but you're not going to like it. Yeah, this is not Loathsome Things recommending the movie. This is, yeah. Yeah, Loathsome Things enjoying yeah. it and telling you not to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go watch, like, uh, 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 uh what's the, the fucking, uh, a muck train instead. Yes. You'll have a better time. Yeah, if you want to watch a terrible movie and love the whole thing, watch a muck train. Yeah. Beyond the Door 3. Is that what it was? 3? Yeah. Beyond the Door 3. Yes. Thank you. Um, so so real quick, uh, I, I watched The Invasion, the mm -hmm. one starring oh. Nicole 007 Kidman. Yeah. Um, what what were your thoughts on that one? It's been a long time since I've seen it. I have not rewatched it since we started doing these. So my, my memory of it is pretty, pretty uh, you know, bad. But I do, I mean, I remember liking it okay, but... I kind of thinking it was kind of lame, but I don't remember much about it. I don't know. What was your take of it? So it, there are some elements of it that are really good. First of all, you get Nicole Kidman. She does a great acting, yeah. you know, um, and some of it really sucks because instead of it being a pod takeover, it's just a virus. Yeah. So like they literally like puke on you and shit. Um, and but there one thing that it really nails is the body horror element because we get all of this stuff of her. She's infected. So it's kind of like the, the zombie style of thing where she's infected. And now what's going on is that since she's infected, if she goes to sleep, she'll turn. Mm. And so it's her trying not to turn. It's her like nodding off. It, she gives her like son, a syringe full of adrenaline to shove into her heart. If she falls asleep and we get like scenes where she like nods off and then wakes up and like looks in herself in the mirror, trying to figure out whether or not she's real, like still herself. That was really good. That's cool. Other than that, it's kind of like, meh, 
Yeah. It's it, it's just a, a pandemic movie. Okay. That's kind of what I remember. I, I, I Actually, honestly, I think when I saw it, I didn't even realize it was, you know, even attached to that storyline, which, which probably means I wasn't paying very much attention when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to watch it anyway, though. I just need to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, John, have you been watching anything else or or doing any other horror movie things? I I have been watching some other things, but uh, now I'm trying to remember what it was. It was, um, I can't remember what I watched. I've been, uh, the first story that I ever submitted, horror story or fiction of any kind, was accepted um, and will come out this fall. Uh, in a in an anthology um, by this uh, Arkansas horror small indie publisher, and uh, since I had already signed the contract and got paid for it, I awesome. I, I, Fuck I, yeah! Yeah, it wasn't much. It was twenty five dollars. I hey, uh, that's still awesome. Yeah, I uh, so I went and I was like, re- I had been reading about the Horror Writers Association just to kind of see what they you know were about and stuff like that, and. To get into the Horror Writers Association, they have different levels. You can be like, you don't even have to be like a person that does anything specific about horror. You can just be a fan. You get in as an affiliate member, they call it. Uh, or you can get in as an associate, which is somebody that's had at least one short story public, or that sold for at least $25. Nice. So I was like, <laughs> bingo, I'm in. <laughs> So I filled That's out awesome. Yeah, dude. I, I filled out my application and I, and I got got the acceptance like four or five days later. So I was like, all right, cool. Well, now I can put that on things. Like it sounds like I'm important, which I'm not. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it was so cool. Do you, do you want to plug that uh, publication that you're coming out in? Like, do you know the title? Yeah, well, yeah. The 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 publisher is named Slay House S L E Y, and nice. uh, the the they've been putting out this anthology, I believe, since 21. Um, it's called Tales of Slay House, and oh, it's, it's nice. a collection of short fiction. Uh, I think there's poetry and artwork as well uh, contained in it. So uh, it's supposed to come out, I believe, this October. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking psyched. It's a it's a little short story I wrote about what I called a uh, Mississippi riv- River Wraith, which is essentially like a succubus, but it's kind of a noir, like neo noir comedy um kind of like it's got humor in it but um yeah it it was one of those things that you write that you just kind of shit it out really fast and then you go back to edit it and you're you know you make a couple edits here and there and then you look at it and you're like this actually works this story is actually kind of works and so i saw that open submission and i was like you know just from their description of what they were looking for i thought well this story might work out of the ones that i've written recently uh so I submitted it and kind of forgot about it. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they they responded and said they loved it and wanted to put it in their book. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You're you're a published author. I know. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have to uh, see if we can get a, a link to like where people can like pre-order that or whatever yeah. and, and include that in the show notes. Yeah. As That's soon, fucking yeah. rad. As soon as, yeah, as soon as that information comes out, then I'll definitely share it um and my book is out on beta reading now like i've got a bunch of people reading it um so it's at that stage you know it's it's i have a final manuscript of course i'm gonna have to do edits and stuff but it's it's done basically and so i'm just waiting for some feedback nice yeah dude fuck yes yeah it's weird 
70,000 words. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a lot. Oh my god. What a nightmare to edit. You know, it's funny. Uh, even even at, what, 234 pages, at least if you're going off of Google Docs, um, it's, you know, you memorize the entire fucking thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like every little beat, every little, you know, like... Oh, I used that word in the first chapter, and you're like forty chapters in. You're like, I probably I don't want to use that word again. You know, it's like just weird, yeah. it's weird shit like that. Um, and then it, the funny thing is, I know that if you know anybody starts giving me edits that are you know good edits or good ideas, I'm going to be like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I wrote that sentence twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I must have really liked it. Nice. Well, yeah, and that like getting getting the short story published is also a great way. Like, if you're gonna like try to get your manuscript published through a through a publishing house, having other publications out there is it's a huge one up in that arena. It helps. So that's it, awesome. It helps a lot. Yeah, I was reading an article about something, and the guy was like, you know, oh, they tell you that you know all you have to do is get your first thing published, blah blah blah, and he's like. He's like, good luck getting your first thing published. Like, and it takes everyone. He's like, it took me forever to get my first thing published. And I was like, I just submitted to mine. I don't. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've also been writing basically my entire life and just never took myself seriously enough to actually commit to my fiction work. Like I, you know, I mean, I've, I've written for money, you know, as a, as a, like a music writer and, and music journalist or whatever, and made it some money doing that nothing special but uh you know a couple thousand bucks here and there and uh so i mean i've been paid for writing before but never i never thought my fiction was i was either too embarrassed to share it or i knew just knew damn well it wasn't good enough to to put out there you know like you read a good one you read yours and you're like man i'm just it's just dry it's you know <laughs> some something's not right you know but then you write enough and that shit just kind of goes away, you know, and you you start to create dialogue that's like actual people speaking to each other like they do in your world, real world, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying it's any good. I'm just saying it, it at least functions as an actual piece, you know, so that's it is it's fun. It's like once you get to that point, man, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I will say, like I've I've read some of your stuff. You have a very strong sense of style, like mm. like that. That is something that is missing in a lot of, like, non-published authors. Like, they're just writing. They don't actually have a sense of style. There, There's not a, a cohesive, uh, you can, like, pick up what author it is whenever you just, you know, read a page of their text. But you've got that. And so then you're, you're able to work your stories through your sense of style. And that is a, a huge boon whenever it comes to like getting stuff published. And, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. that That's definitely yeah. why that story got published because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to gonzo this one. I'm going to like swear through it and just be obnoxious and, you know, have the character be a douchebag and just kind of rude and just, you know, it was so easy to write that way because you just don't nice. you don't like anybody in the story. So you love everyone in the story because it doesn't they're all just a bunch of terrible people. And you just have a good time writing it and it writes itself. You know, you're not worried about, oh, would he say this or, oh, would, uh, you know, like you don't care. None of that shit even matters when you're writing that kind of story. So that was fun. That's fucking awesome. Congratulations, sir. Thank good you. work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah.
a friend had brought up that you know it's a good idea to kind of announce what we're going to do next so that 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 people who haven't seen the film can prepare for it. Um, the next pick is going to be uh, is going to be my pick, and um, that it's also going to be um, an anniversary for us. Um, yeah, which is exciting. Uh, and as much as I now want to do Dagon because I just thought of it after reading <laughs> about uh, Joe DiPioli or Da Pioli or whatever. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to the movie that I originally stumbled across when I started looking for the next one, Mutations with Donald Pleasance. Oh, okay. 19, I'll have to look that one up. It is, Yeah. it is, it looks very strange. Um, and I don't really know what to think of it. It, um, the trailer is just terrifying because it's so weird. It's a 1974 uh, they describe it as a horror sci-fi film, and uh, it the trailer is amazing. I mean, it's just bonkers. There's like, it's it's like a mix between Todd Browning's Freaks and anything that's Donald Pleasancey, which I guess could be <laughs> anything from Halloween to uh, uh, God. What's the one we just did? Uh, the the Australian movie uh awake and fright oh, awake and fright or um you know uh, yeah it's it's very donald pleasancy because he's all over it uh there's actual like quote-unquote freaks in it which is very reminiscent of todd browning then there's mm-hmm. also like a lot of people wearing you know rubber prosthetics 60s style but some of the some of the effects in this movie are very disturbing because i don't think they're effects a lot of them they're actual people who um you know look different and it's gonna be odd this looks amazing you you mentioned this to me before and i i just haven't dove in this is very exciting i'm i'm looking forward to this this the uh some of these practical effects in here are pretty disturbing kind of makes me think of um uh blood diner a little bit Uh, like the uh yeah that rib cage action yes I love Blood Diner. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. All right, that's exciting. So two weeks we're going to be watching... Uh, the Mutations. Mutation? The Mutations. It's a 1974 film, The Mutations. Psyched. Very cool. Um, I've got one more thing. Yes, yes. Um, I went and saw Bo is Afraid. Oh, nice. What'd you think of it? It's great. Really? Yeah. Wow. It is... Uh, it's not like his other movies. Um, it's Ari Aster. It's Ari Aster's new film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's three hours long. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, I, I would like to give a warning to people before you see it. If you are in an emotionally vulnerable state, you might not want to go see the movie. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix has even advised people to specifically do not take hallucinogens before going to see the movie. He's like, no, don't do it. <laughs> well, no, no worries there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just don't, don't do it, man. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, emotionally I, daunting then, I guess. I- emotionally daunting. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I, it's actually, um, yeah, it's, 
I don't want to say anything about it. It's it, it's very hard to say anything about the movie without spoiling elements of it. But uh, it, it's really good. I like it enough that I went and saw it last night, and I'm about to go see it as soon as we're done recording. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like I I need to go back and and fact check some theories I have. Wow, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to go see yeah. it. You recommend seeing it in the theater, I guess. Um. Yeah. It's it's got a lot of uh visual uh artistry to it i would i would say on the big screen works if you if you wait until you're at home if you have like a nice big 4k tv like you're still gonna have a great time like it's it's a lot of special effects but it that's not the main point oh man there is yeah yeah you have to see it if you could see it in theaters there is one particular element that deserves to be on a screen that is taller than you nice very nice Oh man, yeah. that sounds great. It's it's fucking great. Uh, I can't wait until you have seen it and we can actually talk about it. Yes. At some point, it'll come out for video on demand, and then we can cover it and um, say really dumb opinions about it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So so that's us. Um, that's some things join us in two weeks for our two year anniversary episode wow. where we cover the mutations um go out there i guess be greedy be ambitious uh that's the best way to get ahead in life absolutely what are you gonna do where are you gonna run sorry you all have to die <laughs>